filled. I'm all good. Attitude a tree blind my That's your last time. Tree blind mice here and there. Tree blind mice everywhere. Searching all around for the cat. All over the Hurry then, hurry. They got the carving knife. To cut the pussy cat's life. The push will get that knife a trifle in the tree blind mice. Oh beware. Well, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Bond fans. Welcome to Shaking Not Stirred, the definitive James Bond movie fo- podcast featuring four utterly incompetent idiots, completely unqualified to be talking about this subject. However, here we are talking about the most, probably the most successful, uh, undoubtedly the most influential movie franchise of all time. Um, episode one, numero uno, the one that started it all. Gentlemen. Say hello. Let's talk about Dr. No. Hey, guys. DJ here. Thanks for having me. Can't wait to dive into it. Hey, it's John, Soup, whatever we want to call myself. I'm finally glad we get to start this. Dickhead. Dickhead, whatever. <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a children's show. But uh, excited to finally dive into these 24 going on 25 movies. Can't wait to delve into it and uh, dissect them. Yeah, it's gonna be. We decided exciting. how many official number of movies there are. Are we including any of these uh, other nonsense things that yeah, maybe know, at the end about in the ephemera or what? Maybe at the end. Supel's right. Maybe at the end. Yeah, I'm just maybe asking in terms of like you know, are we call the total number? Yeah, we probably yes. should agree on a total number before we even start talking about a movie. Listen, the number is 24, 25 in November. That's the official number. Okay, that, that's inclu- I'll, that's I'll including that. The Rock, though, right? Sean Connery's final movie. Yeah. Okay. We we got to do the Rock too. Oh, I mean, one hundred percent. We actually probably should have started with the Rock. You know, I think we're doing a disservice. <laughs> we're uh, doing all the James Bond movies. We'll move on to the Rock after this. Yeah. Uh, Stay so, tuned. Yeah, got completely off the rails um, before we even got going. But here we are, Doctor No, uh, the first one, the numero uno, the one that kicked it off. Uh, Eon Productions, Everything or Nothing. Cubby Broccoli, Harry Saltzman delivered us an absolute banger of a movie here. Um, you know, a real, a real kick-ass to start the franchise. Uh, written by Richard Maybaum. Um, Richard Maybaum does a number of the first couple of movies. Original director Terrence Young. Terrence Young does uh, a few of the first six. This is the core group um, here. Uh, obviously, this is an Ian Fleming book. Ian Fleming, uh, if I'm not mistaken, actually was part of um, you know, part of the production on this one. The first couple actually had Fleming's hands to it. He was on set. He was part of this. You know, they had to get his sign off um, as part of these things. So, you know, we uh, we saw the three blind mice, the the cold open of the movie. What a great appearance from this cast of uh, blind assassins, right? I mean, what a you don't see them throughout really much of the movie, but. They're integral to the intro. Yeah, and they got their own theme song. Yeah, I mean, how many how many villains or how many henchmen have their own theme song? Great point. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think it's a flawless assassination, right? I mean, guy's running out to his car to take a message, gets popped three times with a silencer, gets tossed in the back of a hearse, and is gone forever. I mean, executed and not in the terms of death, but pulling off the plot, executed flawlessly. Right, no. which is why you're you're led to believe like, hey, these guys aren't blind because they had a great fucking kill. <laughs> great, great, <laughs> chemistry. Yeah. great chemistry. 
Look, and, and there's nothing, and there's nothing better than you know a good kill while there's some jamming Jamaican music going on in the background. That, I mean, that really does bring the whole thing together. Yeah, Ray beer. They they pop this guy five five times. Yeah, yeah. ruthless. I mean, and then they come, you know, and then you know, I, I cut the, the clip off, but then they come through and they actually take out, you know, the the M station there and take out the secretary in the building, you know, steal the files and take off. I mean, that's a flawless opening for, you know, for people that have never, ever been exposed to James Bond or, you know, or, or the classic type of spy movie that, that this sets off, right? You know, right out of the gate, you've got some drama. You've got an important guy. You've no idea who he is you know, gets killed, they, they steal his body. And then a woman who is perceived to be a secretary who is, you know, in contact with British Secret Service gets killed and files are stolen. So right there, we've got a whole powder keg of plot that really is, you know, a lot to work with. Yeah, I mean, we're talking overall plot here. Um, you know, for, for the intro to James Bond, you can't go full, you know, overboard with like the crazy schemes and everything. You know, it's it's a simple plot. It's slow, a little slow to develop, but it's simple. It lets it lets the watcher just kind of slowly engage with the character, slowly engage on what's actually happening around him, and then ultimately, it brings you to to Doctor No kind of towards the end, and you know, wraps up the whole storyline. You know, yeah, like the whole thing was setting the tone. Was it the best? No, but it set up the whole series and. It did a fantastic job at doing so. Now, interestingly enough, this is the sixth novel. Um, I don't know if the you know if it's because they couldn't get the rights to Casino in the beginning, or because all of the others, or they just decided that this was the one that they were going to start with. But you know, Fleming's novels were chronological, and we start at number six when it comes to the film. Yeah, and you'll see that throughout the movie, like relationships have already been established. So uh, you're kind of, I guess I feel like you're kind of catching up that, oh, okay, we're in being introduced to these characters for the first time, but it looks yeah. like all these relationships have already been established. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, so here's, you know, here's the, here's, here's the description from, you know, of, of the novel, which, you know, for the first couple of movies, they tried to stay very close to, you know, so Commander John Strandway, head of MI6 Station J in Kingston, Jamaica, and his secretary both disappear and Bond is sent to investigate the matter. Bond finds that he's been investigating the activities of Dr. Julius No, a reclusive Chinese-German who lives on Crab Key and runs a, and, you know, and runs a mine. Bond suspects a connection in the, to the disappearances with the assassination of his old friend Quarrel, uh, and uh, with the assistance of his old friend Quarrel, Bond visits Crab Key. He's captured by Dr. No and establishes that No has been sabotaging American missile tests. Bond escape kills No. You know, I think that kind of summarizes the whole the whole picture of what we're working with here. I think there's a lot, you know, in just those four lines, I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of good ingredients here. Yeah, Very for sure. I think, like, as as the viewer... You know, at first you're just kind of watching it and expecting the, you know, figuring out of a missing person's, right? Because yeah. Strange Ways goes missing yeah. as Bond investigates. So yeah. you're kind of following that storyline, not really knowing what's going to develop. And then Dr. No's plot starts to trickle in. And then you're yeah. finding a little bit more about, all right. What is Spectre? What's happening here? This guy's got, you know, an evil layer. And then, you know, 
they kind of add those elements after they've kind of hooked the viewer. Yeah. And you know, two, because two point, if they, they kind of introduced all that stuff at the beginning, everyone would just be like, what the fuck is this movie? Like, yeah. And two quick, points, two quick points also. Obviously, we're, we were talking about a 1960s movie um, in a 2020 lens. So we're always going to try to keep that in mind that when this came out, obviously, you know, at this point, every one of us collectively have seen every one of these James Bond movies, every spy movie, every parody, every wannabe, uh, you know, and we're juxtaposing that against that. So we're trying to think about this as if this was the first time we were sitting in a movie, uh, you know, in 1960s. Um, and the other piece of this is we're also assuming that anybody actually, you know, taking the time to listen to this has already seen this. So you're going to hear us bounce around. You're going to hear spoilers. So shock and surprise, Bond kills Dr. No. Um, if, if you've never listened to it, then this is definitely the wrong fucking podcast for you and just shut this off now. Yeah. Baby gets the girl and he yeah. saves the world. Yeah. And now you get the world. Snape kills Dumbledore. You know, we all, we all got, <laughs> it. you know, overall, overall, I give it a 7.0. Um, you know, I think it's simplistic. I think it's easy to follow. I think there's a lot of suspense. Like I said, there's a lot of good ingredients. I think there's, um, I think there was some ex- execution issues at the end of this thing, you know, uh, for a near two hour movie, it's an hour 40 plus of good buildup, good drama, attempted character development. And then I feel it's like a 10 minute rush to the end and the end really isn't very good. Yeah, Mike, I agree with you. Um, I was pretty close to your score. I, I put it at a 6.5. Um, you made some good points. I think the build up was a little bit slow for my liking. Um, it took a while to actually, you know, sink your teeth into the to the overall grand plot. You know, you had the underlying storylines and stuff to to actually build you up. But um, I think getting to like the the grand climax was a little slow. Um, and then agreed, the uh, the finale was rushed. Um, you know, there was a few question marks along the way. So for me, six point five. I, I don't really think I can go higher than that. I'm similar at a 7.5, a very straightforward plot, yet nothing special. I think they only stayed in Jamaica the whole movie, most Bond movies, lots of travel, lots of going around here to there. I think that hurt it a little bit for me, but again, the ending was super rushed, but most of that comes in my conclusion score. Yeah, I'm not crazy about the plot, honestly. Um, I grade this a little higher than you guys. I uh, put it at 7.2. Um, I thought the locations were good. I think the characters that come along with it are also good. But I'm ready to talk about Bond. Yeah. You know, let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's hear, uh, let's hear Mr. Fleming in his own words. Um, I was just driving through the countryside, uh, through villages and so on. You'll see an interesting name uh, over a tobacconist or chemist or something of that sort in any country in the world. But um, when I started to write these books in 1952, I wanted to find um, a name which wouldn't have any of this romantic uh, overtones like Peregrine Carruthers or whatever it might be. I wanted a really flat, quiet name. And one of my Bibles out here is uh, James Bond's Birds of the West Indies, which is a very famous uh, ornithological book indeed. So there we are, the greatest, the greatest, most debonair spy of all time, named after a super boring ornithologicalist that, you know, Fleming was reading while he was probably drunk and high in Jamaica in the latter part of his life. So, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that being said, um, let's, uh, 
let's get a quick introduction to you know the world's most dashing spy. I need another thousand. I admire your courage, Miss uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. James Bond. Mr. Bond, I suppose you wouldn't care to um, raise the limit? I have no objections. Looks like you're out to get me. It's an idea at that. Eight. Thank you. Andre, I must pass the shoe. Challenger, I hope you'll forgive me, but it's most important. Everything about it. Everything about it is is fantastic. Uh, you know, he's just oozing machismo. Uh, I guess we'll use that phrase in there. There is just charisma flying off the screen. You can see she's undressing him with her eyes. You know, he's quick-witted. He delivers the line spectacularly. Uh, you know, the guy looks good. He's tan. He looks fantastic in, in this. You know, the way they, you know, the cinematography of this scene is great. You see him flip open the cigarettes. And then all of a sudden, as he delivers the word bond, the, the classic theme starts playing in the background. We haven't heard it yet to this point. I mean, it just packs a wallop of, of, of just, you know, great things going on here. Uh, Mike. You're not going to get a more perfect depiction of Bond at this like at this level throughout the entirety of this series. You know this this sequence here in the casino is iconic. This yeah. is Bond. He's playing his card game. He's in in enchanting the woman across the table from him, and he delivers, you know, the most iconic Bond James Bond delivery because it sets the table for every other Bond to follow him to do the sure. same delivery. Look, so this one is this is the delivery. This is number one, numero uno delivery of Bond James Bond. Look, and then I think it's important that we take a look at just the other portion of the scene, right? Like, just, just have a listen. Too bad you have to go. Just as things were getting interesting. Yes. Tell me, Miss Trench, do you play any other games? I mean, uh, besides Chemin de Fer. Hmm, golf, amongst other things. More afternoon, then? Tomorrow? Mm. See now. And, uh, we could have dinner afterwards, perhaps? Sounds tempting. May I, um, let you know in the morning? Splendid. My number's on the card. I mean, it's just every bit of it. Every bit of it is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I would argue this is the most iconic scene at the casino of all James Bond movies. Agreed. Yep. Like, you know, I mean, you get, you get quick wit. You get, you know, just, you know, the, the little, like, sounds and responses and, you know, the, this, the general debonair nature. And that leads us into you know, the first of many women that go to sleep with James Bond, right? Sylvia Trench is also, you know, this movie is known for Ursula Andrews, what we'll get to in a moment, but Sylvia Trench, numero uno, right? That's Bond girl numero uno in terms of, you know, headboard tally. Listen, talking about, talking about Connery's performance here and setting the tone for the entire series, 
you cannot get more iconic than that scene, in my yeah. opinion. Um, you know, that scene drives my score, really, because that's your intro to the character. That's your intro yeah. to to the Bond, James Bond tagline. That's, you know, you're you're getting your whole, you know, persona of this character in this scene. And, you know, that drive my score for the full film, but I scored it a 10. This one, this one for me was knocked it out of the park, set up an iconic character for movies to come. Um, you know, everyone, even Connery's own performances will then be referenced back to this film because this was the launching point. Totally agree. I'm, I'm with you on this one. I'm a 9.5. I think that was a, a 0.5 amendment from your, one of my original score on this. Um, but it, it's, it's iconic, every, every piece of it. Um, you know, every piece of it is good. Just, just this piece alone is, is a 10. You know, the movie gets a little, there's a couple of scenes a little later in the movie where you can see Connery was never really an actor. He struggles a little bit. Um, but, but top to bottom, it's, it's what, it, it's what defined the role of James Bond. I share the 9.5 with you. And like, he almost was rejected by United Artists after they brought him in for the interview and a production had to step in and bring him back. Yeah, and DJ touched on it earlier. I mean, this is this is the James Bond standard. What he set, uh, I put it at 9.0, uh, maybe a little low, but uh, yeah, just throughout the movie. I mean, this is this is James Bond, guys. Like the quips, the kills, and the fucking tux that he's wearing is just sharp. Absolute fire sitting across the table. Absolute fire. And he's saying the, the yeah the the line with him lighting the cigarette, fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, as we move on, obviously we reference this in the plot point. We get to d- to Doctor Julius. No, uh, I think we have. Uh, I think this is where we start to see the cracks in, in the movie here. You know, in theory, a uh, you know, in theory, what, what I guess what you would perceive in twenty twenty terms, you know, as a billionaire that lives on an island by himself who's trying to, you know, change the course of the world. There's a lot of good gunpowder there. I don't think the choice of actor here uh, was sufficient. I think the actor was not a good Dr. No. Um, You know, you get basically a one okay scene where he and Bond are going back and forth in the lair, but there's really nothing scary about this guy. maybe the one scene where they're trying to assassinate Bond and he's, he's just speaking over the voice. You still haven't seen the actual character yet, but you know, there's some decent build up, and then you finally see him and you're like, Oh, this guy's a pansy. This guy sucks. You know, and, and it leads to, you know, a, a completely terrible death. Um, 6.5 uh, for me, for me on the villain here. Mike, you know, I think you make some good points here, but I, I do think you're underscoring them a little bit. I think Dr. No does set the blueprint here for Bond villains to come. He's got a pretty cool layer in Crab Key. Yeah. You know, the, the layer can't be faulted. Um, you know, he's, he's got a decent enough name in Dr. No. He's a doctor of something. What, what he's a doctor of is, you know, to be determined. But, I thought it was some kind of like, you know, nuclear physics or something like that, right? Probably. I mean, he's a reject is what he is. Yeah. Um, 
but but he you know he he invites the whole blueprint of the the bond villain scene where he invites him to dinner tells him the whole plan and then bond escapes and then that's you know the whole the whole storyline right for for the bond villain and bond interacting it's always just the uh, oh let me divulge my entire plan here it is out on the table and then Oh, you know, either I am too stupid to kill you right here, or my henchmen are just, you know, terrible, and and you you escape, and then there you go, exactly what happens, and it will follow movie after movie after movie. Right. Um, I gave I gave Doctor Noah seven point five. Um, I thought I thought the initial blueprint of this film, um, is is good. I I like it. Look, I'm not against the blueprint, but I think there's some cracks here, right? He starts talking about, you know, he starts talking about being a member of Spectre. Nobody knows what the fuck Spectre is, so you know, they're sticking truth to they're sticking true to the to the to the book series. Yeah, but where's, is that is that villain point or is that plot point? Uh, it's a combination. I think it's both, right? It's it, it, it's a you know it's a character device to make him seem you know more connected and more bad, um, and. and but it just falls entirely flat. Now we'll come to find that Spectre is a, you know, a, a great foe for Bond in the next couple of movies, and then it makes a return later in the series. But right now you're sitting there going, "What the fuck is Spectre? You know, who the hell is this clown? This guy looks Italian. He is not Chinese. He's not a Chinese German descent. He does not look Chinese. One no, not at all. This guy's got slick back hair. Looks like he should be slinging me mozzarella to deli. Not, you know." Not trying to, you know, rechange the world, you know, ridiculous. As ridiculous as some of his plot was, I was low at a 6.0, but uh, Honey Rider did make a comment that, like, James Bond's hands were sweaty when they were walking down the corridor when captured. So I think it was only one of the few times Bond actually looked either maybe scared or a little bit uh, uncertain of what's going to happen. So a little credit to Dr. No for that, but I'm still at a 6.0. Yeah. Guys, I think he stinks. I'm going to be flat out honest. Yeah. I think the bar he set was really low. He did set a blueprint, but the blueprint was probably as small and tiny as his hands. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think that uh, – I, I do – well, I will say his layer's good. But <laughs> his hazmat suit and everything that he wears, like the whatever mechanical – he's just not an intimidating guy. Oh. And you hear so much about him, and – there's all this buildup, and I don't know. He stinks. I don't know what else to say. I, I think he stinks. I think his death stinks, which we'll get to a little bit later. The only thing, the only thing good about it was his layer, and, and his plan was pretty decent. So I gave him a 5.1, but I don't know. Well, y'all covered up uh, the, like, the performance aspect of it stunk. The acting choice or the actor choice stunk. And he looks like he's like a greasy hockey coach. I don't know how else to – I don't know how to describe it, but he, look, he looks like he should. He looks like he should be coaching the Iceland team against Gordon Bombay. Correct. Yes. Missiles are only the first step. The dentist. Our power. Our power. With your disregard for human life, you must be working for the East. East, West, just points of the compass, each as stupid as the other. I'm a member of Spectre. 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 Special executive for counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, extortion. The four great cornerstones of power, headed by the greatest brains in the world. Correction. Criminal brains. The successful criminal brain is always superior. It has to be. Why become criminal? 
I'm sure the West would welcome a scientist of your caliber. The Americans are fools. I offered my services, they refused. So did the East. Now they can both pay for their mistake. World domination, same old dream. Our asylums are full of people who think they're Napoleon or God. Well, look, it's it's a good it's a good scene, you know. When you when you read through and you learn some of the facts of this, though, that they originally wanted to cast Christopher Lee as Doctor No, it would have been a far superior villain. They should have gone with their first choice. It should have been Christopher Lee. It, it would have been far superior. I disagree. I think that Christopher Lee would have been ruined in a villain like that. Yes, I well, I agree in that portion of it. You just have an Asian guy play an Asian guy. What's so hard in that? Christopher, different day, different time, my man. Yeah. I, I understand, but at the same time, we're about to get it, and you only live twice. Like, I don't understand. Yep. Now, while we can argue about this, something we can't argue about is the introduction of the real first Bond girl, and uh, everybody gets to enjoy a little bit of music accompaniment while we're there. Underneath the mango tree, my honey and me. Vezinta! Keine Angst. Ich glaube, ich darf ebenso wenig auf Crab Key sein wie Sie. I don't know why that's in another language. That's very strange. Sorry about that. <laughs> Whoops. Underneath the mango tree. Listen, we'll edit that. That'll be in the last episode. What I don't understand is that he sung it in English. That was weird. We'll save that for the bloopers. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure you're speaking Japanese, too, but I'm not 100%. Not 100% sure of my dialects on that one. Either way, you know, we've got, we've got Ursula Andrews coming out of the water in the world's famous white bikini. Imagine sitting in a movie theater in 1962, and she comes up on screen. It's probably every preteen, teenage, adult, uh, boy's dream. Um, I think people still talk about this. People, you know, people still try to emulate the impact of this on movies. It's quite possibly one of the most impactful scenes in cinema history. And we're not talking about uh, Sean Connery's vocalization skills. We're talking about Ursula Andrews uh, as Honey Rider. And she was an absolute last minute uh, cast. They already began filming when they signed her on. A mere six grand for is what she made, uh, and and she they wanted her to be originally topless coming out of the water, but due to censors that obviously never happened, and she won a Golden Globe Award for Best Newcomer in Film in 1964. So, a really really strong film debut for her. Yeah, I mean, listen, coming out of the water dripping wet, you know, the whole slick back, stacked bikini. Um, knife on the side, just an iconic entrance for a Bond girl, in my opinion. Just aces. Yeah, where where'd y'all rate her? I gave I gave Bond girl a score of eight point oh. Um, a lot of that was driven by Honey Rider, um, but I I think that uh, Sylvia Trench has a little bit of play in this in the score as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, also, you know, let's, not forget, let's not forget about Miss Tara in this movie, too, okay? If we're looking at the uh, what we're going to affectionately call the uh, the Bond 
headboard tally. Bond takes three in this. Well, two that we know of. One, we're just making the assumption that Bond, you know, that, that Bond goes to sleep with Honey Rider. Not actually confirmed, but I think it's just a major assumption that's made um, as part of the ending of this movie. But, I mean, look, I, I was a 9.0, um, you know, for a lot of the same reasons on the Bond side, right? She utterly defines the role. Now, the part that I think where she, I think she dropped where she could have been a 9.5 or a potential 10, you know, one of the things we talked about is our category for, for Bond girl. A lot of Bond girls are also badasses, you know? They don't have to just be standing there, standing around. And I think, you know, she she lacks a little in in that particular category. She's more eye candy in this movie than badass Bond girl. That's why I only gave her an eight um, because she did not really impact you know, the outcome of the film. Um, she was there on Bond's side, yes. Um, you know, essential to Crab Key, yes, because she was there looking at shells, right? trying to pawn them off and sell them whatever, whatever she's doing on the beach. But um, overall, respect the hustle, bro. Respect the hustle. That was in Miami in 1960. That's, that's good money. Yeah. Overall, I I can only go as high as an eight. And that that's factoring in that Sylvia Trench was an absolute dynamite in that red dress in the casino scene. Dynamite. Oh, absolutely. Um, And then even better in the, the scene when she's golfing in Bond's hotel room. Yeah. Uh, with just with the button down shirt on. Um, you know, for for me that that boosts the score a little bit, but I I can only go as high as an eight. I can't go any higher than that. That was uh, another scene. Ultimately ultimately the Bond girls didn't have a uh a play for the, the outcome of the film. The Goffin scene was another scene where producers wanted her to have her to be naked when walking in, but again, censorship in nineteen sixties robbed a, a good golfing scene. 9.0 solid, but like Mike said, they did not contribute to the plot, and like DJ was right, they did not like factor in with the ending. Yeah, I give it a 9.3. Um, I think it's more the on the icon side for me. Um, both iconic scenes with Sylvia Trench being included in Bond's first scene and Honey Rider coming out of the beach, uh, as we pointed out to earlier. But I got to give some props to my girl, Sylvia Trench. She sticks around, man. We see her in the next movie. So, yeah. Yep. I got I to gotta give her props. I'm a big Sylvia Trench stan. She's probably uh, a top 15 Bond girl for me. I, uh, I appreciate the, uh, the transition there. So, uh, speaking of props, let's talk about the only thing that really matters in guns, cars, and gadgets. Give me a gun. Yes, I thought so. This damn Beretta again. I've told you about this before. You tell him. For the last time. Nice and light. In a lady's handbag. No stopping power. Any comment, 007? I disagree, sir. I've used the Beretta for ten years. I've never missed with a jet. Yeah, maybe not. But it jammed on your last job and you spent six months in hospital in consequence. If you carry a double O number, it means you're licensed to kill, not get killed. And another thing, since I've been head of MI7, there's been a 40% drop in double O operative casualties, and I wanted to stay that way. You'll carry the water. Unless, of course, you prefer to go back to standard intelligence duties. No, sir. 
I would not. Then from now on, you carry a different gun. Show him, Amra. Walter PPK. 7.65 mil with a delivery like a brick through a plate glass window. Takes a Brausch silencer with very little reduction in muzzle velocity. The American CIA swear by them. Thank you, Major Brother. Music. There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack there. You know, and I didn't realize this through the first watch. Now, obviously, we're, we're moved on to guns, cars, gadgets, you know, things that are quintessential to the Bond series. Obviously, we get none of these things in Dr. No because the formula for this hasn't really been established yet. So it's hard to, I think, I think it is hard to effectively judge this category. But, you know, I'm giving it a five, just going to call it in the middle, going to give it a fair shake because it is the time where we realize that James Bond gets the iconic, you know, the iconic PPK or the PP7 if you're playing the GoldenEye video game. Uh, what I didn't realize is that the, the off comment at the end that the American CIA swears by them. So the James, so James Bond's, you know, feature weapon is what the CIA is, is using these days. So I, I, I actually found that kind of quirky. I, I wasn't as high as you, Mike. I gave it a three. Um, you know, I, although I do like that scene, um, you know, there's, there's no real iconic car gadgets. There's nothing crazy in that sense. Um, you know, none of none of Bond's escapes or, you know, duels with his villain really have any, you know, frills about them. Um, none of the gadgets that you'll see in future films, you know, really impact any of the storyline. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think it's a good scene. Um, you know, you're ditching the Beretta and going for the iconic PPK, which sets the tone for what he's going to use in, in future films. But, I can't, I can't go higher than a three here. There was nothing else to, to really score it on outside of that scene. See, but again, respectfully, I disagree with you. I think you're trying to score, you're trying to score this movie against the other 24 to this point. And, you know, and again, it, it, that's the hard part, right? Is we're trying it to just take doesn't have any other cars, we're gadgets, or anything. To take ourselves out. And, but, but, I, but I think that that has to be taken into account here. I think it has to be taken into account that we're establishing you know, everything in this movie is the establishment of the criteria. So, you know, we created our 10-scale criteria based on all 25 movies. Unfortunately, Dr. No, you know, Dr. No is fitting a, uh, you know, square peg into a round hole because not everything was established, right? There's not actually a song, um, you know, in Dr. No in the traditional sense. You know, they didn't hit the full formula until after we get out of this movie. So I think you're unfairly... I don't think it should be in the eight or nine range like the characters, but I don't think it's a three. I think it's, I think it's disappointing as we've pointed out to or alluded to earlier that this is what the sixth book mm -hmm. in like the series. And how is there not like gadgets in, implemented in the movie at this point? If we're yeah. going by the book, I'm just, I'm a little confused by that point. Um, but guys, I like the car a lot. I think this is the most underrated car in the entire series. I'm a big Sunbeam Alpine fan. Um, I think it's pretty slick and fits the uh, exotic location that he drives in. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I got a bit of 5.8, a lot to the car, honestly. There's nothing else that drives that score because there's no other gadgets. No. But I'm, I'm I mean, it's, it's the car, it's, it's the gun, it's the hidden radio antenna in yeah. the Station J. You know, like, if we're really stretching it here, it's the sure. – you know, if we're really stretching it here, it's the uh, the dragon of Crab Key, perhaps. 
you know, or, or all of the technology in GrabKey that can apparently use magnets to manipulate nuclear missiles uh, if you really want to stretch it. Um, but there's no classic bond. We're going to use right. the XYZ thing that does it. They're just doing right. it. Yeah. I gave it a 5.0, like you said, because I didn't want to give it a bad score for something that they can't be at fault with. I felt it was average, so 5.0 is a little generous, but fair. Yeah, DJ, you're a little low, jerk. The trade, though, that car was awesome. Like, Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of the car, guys. Like, We're going to see Bond films going forward. He's not going to drive anything remotely like this going forward. I mean, like the chase, solid. the chase scene was a little weak, but... Yeah, yeah, but screen behind him. Not it's fair. a solid original car. I, I'm a fan. Hate me all you want for scoring low. I'm not changing. <laughs> um, you know, I'm maybe I'm just a notoriously low scorer. I don't know, but no I, bullshit. Because you can't fucking change by a ten. I wasn't, I wasn't impressed. Low score. I was not impressed. You gave out the first ten of the entire podcast, and now you're calling yourself a, a, of a notoriously low score. Uh, your Listen. logic stinks. It's ice cream for fucking breakfast logic, is what that is, right? It's I want to have both of these fucking things. This it's a horseshit score, and you know. I, I hated it. I I just I wasn't impressed. Yeah, this this is the guy impressed. that wants Moonraker lasers in every fucking movie. That's probably. I'm not that. fucking changing the score. It's a three. He's probably a big fan of Carl Stromberg, too, but, huh? Your car stinks. Hey, it's staying. Three. <laughs> uh, what are we moving on to next? Supporting cast? Is that Supporting where we are? cast. Uh, let me, let's just talk about that scene. We have no idea who M is, but, you know, Bernie Lee, I think, you know, delivers a phenomenal performance there, right? That is a, a crusty old bastard that has the map of the world painted on his face is not taking any of James Bond's bullshit and is basically like, well, you want to go back to nonsense, you can go do that, or you can take the fucking gun that I'm going to tell you you're going to take. You know, he's an absolute no-nonsense M. You know, I, you know, if we're talking supporting cast here, we're rolling henchmen into this, right? You know, we opened this up with the three blind mice. I mean, I think those guys are fantastic. Um, you know, we get our first intro, we get our introduction to, to Felix Leiter, who will become a continuing character um, down the road. You know, obviously we roped her into Bond Girl, but, you know, we get Sylvia Trench, who, you know, who plays a, a nothing role, but, you know, we see her in another couple of movies, you know, and we get Quarrel. Yeah, Mike, I mean, you hit you hit the nail on the head with any character that would, would fall under the supporting cast. I think the intro to M and Money Penny was very good in this film. Um, you know, you, you kind of get the sense of Bond and M having a mutual respect for one another, um, you know, M being put, putting Bond in his place and Bond, you know, quipping back a little bit, but understanding, yeah, all right, this is my boss. So I can't just go full throttle and, and just say, fuck this guy. Um, you know, Money Penny was, was pretty good in my opinion as an intro. Um, and you get, you get Felix and Quarrel where, I think there was actually a decent Felix in this one um, getting into all of, you know, the, the big plot points and kind of guiding bond as to what he hasn't been filled in on at all. Um, and then obviously you get, you get quarrel as the local guy to, to show you around the islands and, and take you out on the boat. 
And it starts out with a fight scene between Bond and Quarrel and his posse and everything else until they realize that they're on the same team. Brought to so you by Rick Drake. It's kind, of, it's kind of cool. Ray Beer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually – I gave this a 5.8. Uh, I, uh, I did an error. I gave the Guns, Cars, and Gadgets a 4.9. So let that be on the record. But, yeah, guys, I don't know. I just – there was a lot of introductions. There wasn't a whole lot of development for me. Um, it's hard to score that. Uh, it's hard to score a lot of these categories in this film just because it's a lot of introductionary. Uh, but Three Blind Mice is legendary. Legendary intro. Uh, this Felix Slider, I agree with DJ. He's probably one of the better Felix Sliders mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to see going forward. So he's pretty decent. And we're going to see him and Bond, uh, that relationship grow in the next few Bond films. Uh, and that performance just gets better and better. But I gave this one a 5.8. I mean, I'm higher than all of you on this. I mean, obviously, I outlined all my points. I thought this was a 7.5 on the supporting cast. I, I thought they were. I thought they were pretty critical to driving portions of this movie. Um, you know, maybe, maybe I'm. You know, maybe I'm a notoriously high scorer. So, you know, but it's 7.5 <laughs> on the supporting cast. Mike, I wasn't too far behind you. I scored it a seven. I think you hit most of the, most of the good points on on all of them. Um, yeah, I was at a seven. I, I don't think uh, the supporting cast is anything to to blush about, right? It's they they do some introductions. You get you get a lot of um, interaction with Bond's character in all of them, and you kind of get an introduction to who's M, who's Money Penny, who's Felix Leiter, where what's the relation in the whole Bond realm? I guess. So, I, I, I scored it a 7. I'm at a 7-2. Strong introduction for some. Again, first movie. So, I was a little generous, but love the M relationship. It's almost like father-son, and it was a great intro for Money Penny. So, I, uh, my, my sheet sometimes is flipped from you guys. Are we, are we doing chase fights, or are we doing opening scene credits? My list goes Guns, Cars, Gadgets, Supporting Cast, Song, Opening Credit. Okay. Same. I feel like I've screwed this up before. So, now obviously we have to look at this in a grain of salt because there's not actually a, you know, the the Bond marketing machine did not really come into its own where they, you know, cross-promote a song to make additional money. This was done just out of the gate. But we get the elements, right? We get the, we get the lights. We get the first gun barrel sequence. Um, and we get the credits set to music. So let's just take a look. You know, let's let's have a listen. love about it you know you get you get the icon gun barrel scene right it's a, a 1960s attempt at breaking the fourth wall right the spy shoots the crowd the big brass of a john barry you know bond theme kicks you square in the sack 
to really get it going. And then there's just a bunch of lights and a, you know, and a, and a whole thing. So at that point, you know, you're, you're pretty ramped. You know, you got to imagine if you've never seen this before, you're sitting in theaters, you got to be pretty jazzed up. I mean, you know, it, your juices have got to be going if, if you're in the theater. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's not to like about this. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about Jump it? in the gun barrel. <laughs> Thank you. Who yeah, is that? Perfect. It's, it's the worst, like, it's the worst gun barrel. Yeah. It's the like we're gonna we're, we'll see more going forward. Like just that really is gonna set the standard. But mm-hmm. how awful is it? And I, I get the iconic portion of it. Like this is the first one we're gonna see. This is breaking. Like Mike said, that fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Like, but and the iconic theme. But it's as it's hard to grade this one. I gave it eight point eight. I can't go higher than that because of this gun barrel. I mean, let's, let's first, so just for, for clarity purposes, uh, this was shot by the famous British stuntman, Bob Simmons. So Bob Simmons is uh, the, the man responsible for this terrible jump gun barrel. Um, you know, it's they, the first three movies, actually, until they developed widescreen pictures, were all the original Bob Simmons. So this will not be the first time that Bob Simmons' gun barrel will shit on our televisions and bring down our opening scores. Um, you know, just bracing you for that one. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, look, it's the, you got to remember, right? I'm, I'm, I think maybe I'm a little higher here. I'm an 8.0. You know, uh, this, for me, is driven by music and, and cinematography. You know, the original John Barry score is, is absolutely legendary, right? You hear those first three notes, you know exactly what it is. You know, there aren't, there aren't a lot of, you know, there's maybe two other, you know, famous movie composers whose first three notes could probably, that you can, can trigger you, right? You know, it's, it's basically John Williams and nobody else. Um, you know, the, the, the John Barry music here is just utterly iconic, completely drives this thing. Um, guys, set, completely sets the tone. Let, let me just make one more point about the like just the song. Like the song to me, how it's great. The song is how it like is inputted throughout the current movie, mm-hmm. and like and chase and things like that. That's how I score it. And this song is not only the most recognizable theme song, but it's playing very well throughout this movie and every future like James Bond movie. Like yeah. that's that like it's probably the most iconic theme song in my opinion yeah. of all time. Trey, I, I agree with you. It's one of the most iconic theme songs ever. Um, in regards to the film, when it comes to Gun Barrel, opening credits, and the whole nine, I would score it a six. Because I think a lot is lost in the opening credits. Um, well, what's, what's, what's lost in the opening credits? Well, so, for, for instance... You're getting the, I guess, tuning in sound, right? For the for the gun barrel, you know, yeah. spotlights, right? You're getting the the beep boop beep boop all the way through, and then the the jump and and shot, like that does nothing for me. The whole gun barrel sequence for me does nothing. Um, yes, the song is iconic, but I don't think that the opening credits really did a whole lot for the film. I completely disagree with you. I utterly disagree with you on every pre- – the, the beep boop, beep boop does nothing for me. I scored but, it a six. Yeah, you know, but but you, you come across and, 
you got to remember this. I mean, we're talking about the 1960s here, right? You haven't seen anything like this. All of a sudden, you got a guy walking across your, she- your your screen, points a gun, and takes a shot at you. And then all of a sudden, you know, an enormous Las Vegas-style brass band just starts literally blowing your pants off in the theater. You know, you're coming, you're coming out of that into the, you know, into the three blind mice sequence where they just successfully, you know, assassinate somebody who clearly has some importance, you know, at, at 110 miles an hour. I completely disagree with you. Okay. I still scored a six. Look, yeah. Comparing it to others, you know, there's, there are others that are, there's better songs, you know, in traditional sense, you know, I mean, this is looked at, I think this has to be looked at through a different lens. I think the song's iconic. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I love, I love the intro song. I think the other elements around it don't do it any justice. Still low score. Stinks. Yep. Stinks. Well, fuck you guys. It's a six. It's staying. <laughs> Soup, what you got? But it's seven five. Uh, I love Atta the boy, opening. Soup. I love the opening though. <laughs> Most of my scores, I think, on the opening because the three blind mice with their assassinations, perfect. We said very good point. Time. Very good point. Hear, uh, listen to that DJ. I heard it. I heard it. So, I don't, the score doesn't change. I don't ring no. the scores theme song like when i think of james bond theme songs i don't think of this i think okay. of this as like the theme song but like i don't know how else to say it like if it had a title you're song, thinking of it as james as you know the james bond movie song this yes. is the james bond theme, theme song. oh yeah yeah so so i think there is definitely clear delineation going forward but right. I guess I, mean, I guess you have to score it. I'm just throwing an idea. I guess you have to score it as both, right? It is not only what becomes the James Bond theme song, but it's also the movie's theme song. Absolutely. So doing double duty, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the movie doesn't actually have a theme song, so it has to play double duty. Uh, actually, it does whenever Connery starts singing to Honey Rider. It is true. Well, <laughs> if you want to count the mango tree as the, the, mango as the tree song. song. Nine. Yeah. I'd give it a nine. So right, I mean, the mango tree. <laughs> well, hypothetically, does that move your score up or down? I, I, I'm up on the mangoes. <laughs> I mean, Listen, I, I think I think Connery absolutely has a terrible singing voice, so I'll probably move it down for me. But I don't think I can go any lower than what I already scored. So what what is a worse Sean Connery singing moment when he's singing underneath the mango trees, or if you're going to San Francisco in the shower in the rock? I love that scene. <laughs> I love, the scene. I, I love the scene. I am talking about specifically where he's trying to sing if you're going to San Francisco. Where it's not even in like key, it's not in rhythm, it's all over the place. The yeah. scene is wonderful. Yeah, it's just, it's just a cute old man singing in the shower. Yeah. We digress. We digress. We, we gotta digress. Get, we gotta get off the song and opening credits and back into the fucking quintessential chase and fight scenes. All right.
How did it happen? I think they were on their way to a funeral. Now, I thought of Bond's terrible driving because apparently when you drive, you completely turn the wheels constantly when you're going straight. Um, well, and again, you know, again, trying to look at it through the 1960s lens of him with a screen. Yeah, I think there's some action there, right? There, there's some riveting action there. You know, this thing gets thrown off the side. It spontaneously combusts halfway down. You know, I guess the pyrotechnics went off a little earlier than they, than they envisioned. But it's, uh, you know, it's not bad. You know, it's not, not bad for a start. Set the tone for many cars, off cliffs, explosions for the next 24 movies. I love the quote there on the way to her funeral. Like, low budget, but I think they did a good job with what they had. I hated them. <laughs> I'll let you guys keep discussing on how good they were, and I'll, I'll come in on the... Yeah, I got a low score, too, so you keep going. Well, I don't have a high score on this. I've got it at a 6.5. I think it's a fair score. You know, you, you, you have this, you have the, the, the behind-the-bar fight scene with Quarrel where he gets tossed into a whole bunch of red yeah. stripe and then Felix comes in with a gun. You know, there's some drama there. It's not a, you know, it's not like a 1950s Batman pow-wham fight scene like some of these Bonds become. I think this one's got, I think this one's got some, some interesting stuff to it. Um, um. You know, not including the fight scenes that take place uh, on Crab Key, because we'll I'll loop that into you know into the to the villain deaths, which are god awful. But you know, I think it's a fair score. I think it's six point five here is where I am on it. I well, think I you're, like eight, but I was a four four point oh. Four point oh for soup. All right. I think. I mean, listen. You got two major chase scenes. You've got the drive from the airport. Yeah. Where, where Bond gets on the phone is like, hey, did you send for a driver? No, okay. And then he knows the whole way that this guy is just, you know, set up to, to fuck him. And then you've got the drive when he goes up to the house to go meet the girl, right? So, so you got two major driving sequences. And then, like you said, the fight behind the bar with Quarrel really isn't – not really a great fight it's just oh. kind of a fight sequence until they realize that hey we're we're on the same team here um yeah it's an advertisement for red stripe let's be honest <laughs> yeah Hooray, um, beer. i mean listen i honestly i hated both of those chase scenes i didn't like bond in the airport just like knowing the whole way that hey this guy is probably gonna fuck me and i'm just gonna wait to a point where i can force him to pull over and take control and then when he was going up in the um in the scene where he's about to go up to the to the girl's house i for i even forget what her name miss is Tara. yeah miss Tara. yep um that scene like yeah listen he, he's got to make a few turn like a few sharp turns but really there's not a whole lot to it i scored it at 2.5 i hated i hated the scenes i hear way low you're, yeah. you're, now, now you're just disrespecting the movie. Now That's tough. You're just purposefully disrespecting it because you want it to be a different movie. I hate. I hated the chase scenes. Yeah, maybe the yeah. chase scenes hate you. I, I I wasn't that low. I gave it a four point five. I think we do see the most lopsided fight in all the Bond movies, where the driver picks him up and pulls over, and Bond just like dominates him. It's, it's the most lopsided fight we'll see. Um, but. Throughout the terrible chase scenes, Bond looks good doing it. Like I, I like the car. He looks great 
And the first really action-packed, I guess, scene that we'll see with him driving, being chased by, I'm assuming that's the three-blind That's a Bond model. score, Trey. What's that? Bond looks good doing it. That's a Bond score. That's, I, not, a, that's not a chase I, scene score. I, it's allowed, yeah, to, boost, it's allowed I, to boost the chase scene. Yeah, absolutely. But is it, am I wrong? Is that the three blind mice in the car behind them? Oh, like, yeah, right there. Yeah. On the way to the funeral. I'm, yeah. a, I'm assuming, right? Okay. The quip, the first quip, which I guess you can count as a quote, but that's like the first quip that we get, like when somebody dies. That's within the scene. So I'm scoring that with it as well. Still low score, 4.5, but no, not a 2.0 or whatever DJ did. 2.5. 2.5. Sheesh. I was not was not happy. Rightfully so. But speaking of quotes, right? I'm just going to leave him on mute going forward. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think we're just going to attack one guy each episode, and DJ's going to be the guy this episode. Yeah, it's pretty fine. Much. I can take it. <laughs> Thick skin. My scores are not changing. Yeah. <laughs> I will not be influenced my, by, by any always, peer pressure here. Hey, I can always be bribed to change my score. Where, where are you guys on the quotes in this movie? I got a 6.0. Um, I'm trying to, as we alluded to in the introductory uh, episode, I'm trying to stay away from, like, the, like, names Bond, James Bond, Shaken Not Stirred, uh, quintessential quotes. Um, like, like previous categories. Is this one where that does double duty in this movie? I'm asking this question. I don't have a, an opinion on this. I think I think overall, I agree with Trey. Uh, when I'm scoring quotes, I kind of leave those quotes out of it because oh, look, that, you know, we, that, that, we just, that just that, hit the wrong performance. We Correct. outlined that when we originally scripted this whole thing. Yeah. We outlined it in the first episode where we kind of talked through our ranking, you know, but what I'm asking is that Dr. No, I think, has to be looked at in, in a different lens of anything else. You know, in the same way that the James Bond music is both the theme and the movie song, does the delivery of Bond, James Bond, can, you know, should we be considering it double duty in, in our school? Listen, those, those deliveries can, can impact it, sure. They can have a little yeah. influence, but they're not going to drive the score, right? No, so, that's going to be the, the driving force. I agree. Right. Yeah. You know, they, they're, they're going to have an impact because obviously those quotes are still iconic quotes and still great, but they're not going to drive the score of the movie. You know, they're, they're going to impact it a little bit, sure, but they're not going to lead, lead the charge. Right. Um, I think the quote that stood out to me was the scene where the guy came in and tried to kill Bond and he was like waiting for him in the dark and the guy shot six times thinking he was shooting Bond. He was like, no, that was a Smith and Wesson. You already had your six and Bond just like ends him. That was probably the best quote for me. It's a good quote. Good kill. Um, I was a big fan of Don Perignon 55 yep. where you have to have it chilled because if you're drinking it any, any other way, you're just basically an animal. Yeah, class, class, class. What about you guys? What were your scores on that? I gave it a six. I scored quotes. What, what was that, Trey? I gave it a six. 6.0. I scored, I scored 5.5. I was right there with you. 6.0. I was 6.5. I think I was the highest on that one. Yeah. I mean, listen, when we're talking about Bond quotes, hmm? I actually put this in here, but it's the, the medium dry martini lemon peel shaken, not stirred. Yeah. That delivery 
actually gives you your first recipe of the Bond martini yeah. before like future mm -hmm. films may change it or add something or, or do anything different. It, it gives you a sense of what the guy likes to drink, right? And, and you're going to see it come up a few times. I, yeah. I think like I, I actually factored that into the Bond score, but I, I put like a 0.5 up from five because of that quote. I liked it a lot. That's a good point. Uh, I like it was the uh, full recipe. Correct. It's different than just what we're going to get in future. Say Roger Moore just shaking that stirred, which his delivery stinks. And Daniel Craig's initial recipe, which is flawless. Right. But we're going to get to that. You get you get you get a good recipe in there to to get an idea. Um, right. You know, I, I scored it a little bit, you know, higher for the quotes because he actually goes into some detail as opposed to just giving the delivery of shake and not stir. Yeah, higher but not higher than me and Mike's. Yeah. And no. No. You're still a low man. On this on this category, you're yes, I am. Notoriously, notoriously low, as some people yeah, say. Yeah, you're giving out tens and you're still staying the lowest yeah. in others. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm sticking with it. All right, let's, five get to, five. let's get to the point where this movie really takes a, uh, a, a, a terrible, terrible turn. Yep. I imagine that water is hot. I imagine that, you know, if you've got claws for hands, you're probably not grasping onto things. But that death stinks. That yep. death stinks. So much I, mean, I mean, the final, like, the, the final move is, like, is basically the equivalent of the Hulk Hogan big boot, right? He just gives him a quick kick to the chest, and that's basically the end of this. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not a good fight. Um, not a good ending. It's just not a good, not a good fight. Listen, I think Trey Trey covered it earlier. The guy's hazmat suit sucks. First of all, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, yeah, he's he, he's got like a, a latex beekeeper suit on, like a plastic yeah, it, beekeeper. It sucks. Yeah, it's it His whole suit sucks. The scene is rushed. It's not like there's no development of the scene. No, um, and and he just basically boils alive. You know, it just. He falls into this fucking, I guess, reactor, right? This nuclear reactor or whatever yeah. he falls into and just boils alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess the most realistic part of this is he's like this supposedly super smart guy. And rightfully so, when you're super smart, you're not going to spend very much time fighting. No. Much less against double A. So, I mean, I guess the most realistic part is he stinks at fighting, which I would expect so. Mm -hmm. But yeah. you would think there would be some kind of, like, maybe the scene would last a little longer. He but, doesn't have any henchmen this, to fight for him. And this goes to the, the, the piece early that we talked about is that, you know, for like a two hour ish movie, you know, you basically get, you know, you get an hour 45 of real slow plot development. 
and then you get, you know, that 30-second fight that is the death of the villain, and then, you know, Bond grabs Honey Rider to escape. You know, they jump off, get to the boat, the island explodes, and the movie's over, right? You, you, you know, you get slow buildup for an hour and 40 minutes, and then five minutes of action and drama, and then we're done. Yeah. No, I, Mike, I think... I think you're spot on that the conclusion sucks. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you have you have some good plot points all the way through, and then it's just like, all right, we've hit our limit. We got to wrap this shit up. Yep. And it just, it just fucking happens like X, Y, and Z, bang, bang, bang. All right, we're going to kill off the villain. Bond's going to escape with the girl, and we're, we're good. And that's it. Yeah. And we're just going to end the film. Yeah, it, I don't know... If- and I don't know if it's like, I don't know about y'all, but the more I watch this scene and the more I watch this movie, the more I, I, I hate Dr. No, which we already established, but the more I hate this scene, I hate this death. It sucks. It's, it's, it's awful. The death sucks. I hate it. Like, I hate it more and more. I changed my score just now, just real time. I went from 4.4 to 3.4. Like, I, I hate it. Yeah. Um, Trey, I'm, I'm a, at a four. So you actually are lower than me on this one. So. Yeah, and that, that I, says a lot, right? Because I'm a notoriously low scorer. So correct, correct. So <laughs> the only reason that why this is not a one and it's a three point four is because of the villain death of the three blind mice. That's mm-hmm. death by explosion. Look, you know, driving and, and off the cliff. Get, yeah. Driving off the cliff by explosion is way better than being in a hazmat suit and being boiled alive. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and you get a, uh, you know, you, you get the the alarm's going off. You get a little bit of excitement of them running off the island. He and Honey Rider get into the boat. Honey Rider is impeccably dressed, thanks to Dr. No. Um, you know, we get the first of many scenes where Bond gets the girl in a boat. Would the scene um, be better if she was still bikini clad? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think, I'd, I think you'd, have some, you'd have some continuity issues, but I, I agree with you. I wouldn't hate it. And I meant to touch on it earlier. What Dr. No was wearing, like, in the initial scene, is, like, what Blofeld wears. Mm-hmm. Is this, like, a specter, like, Probably. like you have to wear, like, this little Dr. That's, Evil that's type. a specter suit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a specter, like, you know, tuxedo. Yeah. The specter bland, the, the specter bland like, uniform. We, we wear bland, you know, as bland as our personalities in our movies. Right. Are they, like, Doug Funny? Do they have a closet full of these, like, suits? Potentially, yes. In every I, yeah. So this is our first, like, I guess, crossover with, like, Austin Powers seeing, like, Dr. No, like, Dr. Evil wearing, like, the the costume. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the, uh, the robotic hands, he throws a, a big attempted <laughs> judo chop right there. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 Mike and Stu, what did you guys score the, the conclusions? In I'm low on this. I'm 3.5. I'm lower than both of you. 4.0, no, nothing special. I did like the ending scene with the boat and letting go of the rope with Felix and Honey, but... Yeah, that was good. You're right. The rest is forgettable. Doesn't, But it doesn't bump my, my conclusion, you know? Yeah. At, I, at that I, point, I'm already, dis- I'm already disappointed in the death of Dr. No. I hate this death so much. Yeah, it's just not Terrible death. I do like that. Like, I will say I do like that ending. That was a good point, sir. Mm-hmm. Terrible death, though. Terrible. I've already changed my score to 3.4. You want to tally us up? Yeah, sure. Who who wants the first tally? 
Uh, do me. Do me. All right, Trey. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm trying to keep this in live time. Yeah. I got Trey scoring the plot at a 7.2. The Bond performance at a 9. Yeah. Bond villain, 5.1. Bond girl, 9.3. The guns, cars, and gadgets at a 4.9. Song and opening sequence at an 8.8. Supporting cast at 5.8. Chase and fight scene at 4.5. Quotes at a 6. And the conclusions and death at a 3.4. Correct. So that, that brings you in at a total of 64. Yes. Out of 100. You purposely use like off-point decimals just to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, I'm doing yeah. it like figure skating. Everything else is rookie scores. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, listen, he totals them all up and it adds up to a 64 even. So yeah. it doesn't yeah. even fucking matter. <laughs> the decibels somehow always like turn up to a whole number. I yeah, can't explain. Go. So Trey, Trey scores this film as a 64 out of 100. Um, Soup, you want, you want next? Yeah, give me a shot. I made a few uh, in-score adjustments. All right. Change, change them if, uh, if I'm wrong here, but I'll go down. The, the plot is 7.5. Correct. Bond performance, 9.5. Yep. Bond villain, a 6. Correct. You still have Bond girl out as a 10? I have her at a 9.0. 9.0. So you lowered that from your original yeah, score. Yeah, because you guys made wonderful points about her not contributing to the final outcome. So sure. you hate Ursula Andrews, what you're trying to say. Yeah. yeah. 9.0. Right. Guns, cars, gadgets, a 5. Correct. Song and opening sequence, a 7.5. 7.0. 7.0. Okay. So lost a half a point there. We got supporting cast of six. 7.5. Jesus Christ. All right. I, Change, I love changing much, everything yes. on the fly. All right. I love how much we can influence soup on the scores during the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We should make soup come to this on any scores. Yep. Chase fight scene. Four. Four, yeah, I got that. All right, good. All right. <laughs> I wanted to make sure there. I, I wanted to see if I was equal there. All right. Quotes, we got quotes, quotes at a six. And villain at a 4.0. The conclusion's death of 4.0, yeah. So I got you at a 65.5 total. Cool. Which is a point and a half higher than Trey there. All right, Mike, I'll, I'll run through your scores first, and then I'll, I'll finish with me. Um, I got you at the plot as a seven. Yep. The uh, Bond performance, 9.5. Correct. The Bond villain as a 6.5. Yep. Bond girl at a nine. Yep. Guns, cars, gadgets, a five. Yep. Song and opening sequence, an eight. Yep. Yep. Supporting cast is 7.5. Yep. Well, I found out where the screw up is. Your tally sheet and our, our number sheet is where the song and supporting cast is flipped. That's why. Uh, that's where we got that screw up. Yep. Gotcha. I can change that. That's not a. That's not a big deal. Uh, Chase fight scene six point five. You got it. Quotes is six point five. You got it. Conclusions death three point five. Yep. So I got you here for a total, a nice total score of a sixty nine. Nice. Do what I yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'll run through mine here. I got plot at a six point five. The Bond performance at an iconic 10. A Bond villain. Notoriously low. Yeah. Notoriously <laughs> low, iconic 10. It always goes downhill from here. Bond villain, 7.5. Bond girl, an 8. 
Guns, Cars, Gadgets, a three. Song opening sequence, a six. Supporting cast, a seven. Chase and fight scene, a 2.5. Quotes, a 5.5. And conclusions and death, a four. So I'm gonna give Guns, a, Cars, and Gadgets a two, but he gives Dr. Noah 7.5. I'm sitting at a 60, fellas. I'm at a 60 overall. So you, you got your high score as Mr. Nice, Mike McCarsky at a 69. Uh, the next highest was Soup at a 65.5. You got Trey at a 64 and me at a 60. Listen, guys, I think as even though I have it as a 60, I think it'll flirt with like the top five Bond films made. You know, Dr. No is iconic. I think it's iconic, but I don't think it's even going to crack my top five. Well, no, sure. I think I think it'll be I think it'll be flirting with top five. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking score wise. I'm just talking oh. film wise. Yeah, you know, yeah. Look, you know, individual score versus ranking are two totally different topics here. Because yep. we're gonna have we're gonna have situations where you know your movie score isn't indicative of where it falls on your master list. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm a little higher on this because of certain categories. I'll be I'll, I'd be honest with you. I'll be lucky to see if Doctor No lands nine, ten, or eleven for me. Yeah, I, I think it's in the back end of my top ten, maybe like eight to ten range. Yeah, um, it's the first movie in the franchise. It would not be the first movie I would uh, say show like a girl on a date or something like that. Like this would not be the first James Bond. No, movie. No, you're not going to intro somebody to Bond on this film. Correct. Like, I think I think overall it's. It's a good film. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna fucking bludger it to death and say, you know, this one sucks. Why is this the start of you know the Bond sequence? No, right. I do. It, it, I do it, it, like it category by do, category instead. I do like this film as as a you know plug and play. I'm gonna watch it. I do like sure. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. You know, I think I mentioned it earlier. You know. It, I guess what we'll affectionately call the uh, the James Bond, you know, bedpost total, you know, two, possibly three. Um, is it a quick poll amongst the group? Is it safe to assume that Bond and Honey Rider have probably, you know, probably had sexual relations in this movie at the end? Or is it that, I mean, that's what we're led to believe. Um, Listen, I think, I think for sure. If Absolutely. Bond does not bed Honey Rider in this film, that's a failure of his, you know, character altogether. I, I will, I will rip that ten off the wall if he does not bed Honey Rider in this film. I mean, look, you know, it's obviously it's not as explicit as Sylvia Trench or as uh, as Miss Taro, but uh, for for purposes of this conver for purposes of these conversations and these tallies, um, I, I am including it. So. You know, you've got three women in this movie, and then when we look at the the total body count um, yeah. across the board, you know, twelve deaths total, four of them delivered by 007. So what? Not, what's his, what's his women body count in this? Is it two or three? Three. 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 Uh, we're, I'm assuming three. Uh, I, I am including Honey Rider, so that makes it three. Oh, in a future movie, someone makes a comment too about him a scar and an ex lover, and it's led to believe. Maybe honey and her knife. Could be. But I think the, the overall body count of kills actually seems low to me. I mean, but three, yeah, blind mice, right. three blind mice in the car and uh, and, and Dr. No. But well, do they, they count, got, they do they they count that as a Bond kill because they just drove off the side? I don't know. 
the man in the hotel room who sticks. We forgot him. Yeah. 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 Look. yeah, I would say the three blind mice were a self-inflicted death. They drove off the side, so I would keep those three out of it. Well, I mean, they they drove off the side because they were chasing him. I'm they gonna were chasing Bond, him, but I'm but gonna Bond get Bond assist. Bond, Bond had the assist, but he didn't actually yeah. kill him. Yeah. He didn't score the points, but if he made he was the play. Them, I'd give he him set it up. He did set it up. <laughs> so he gets the assist on that one. Is that is that the? Sure, why not? I would I would give him the assist. I wouldn't give <laughs> yeah. him the, I wouldn't give him the full kill. So he gets three assists. So that's one point five. <laughs> but that's it, Mike. You got uh, you got anything to take us home on this? Uh, wrap it up on this podcast or what? I do. Oh, this is where the magic happens right here. If you wouldn't need the mango tree too on the way out. That's the question. Cool doubt right there. Over and out.